Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 123. And today we're going to start the book of Isaiah. As I had mentioned yesterday, uh, Isaiah and Revelation are uh, a couple of books that I can find uh, somewhat challenging, um, trying to ascertain the meaning of certain scriptures and certain chapters, certain verses, uh, because they speak in visionary, or they, they can speak in visionary terms. And so I find myself in the process of trying to decipher uh, the vision you know, of the prophet or disciple to, to, to try to understand what it is they're saying. <laughs> and so, uh, so we're just gonna pray right now for the understanding as we get into Isaiah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I invite you, Lord, invite you to infuse us with your wisdom, Lord Jesus, as we go through your word and try to understand what it is uh, that we are to take on today in this day, in this hour. I pray for clarity, Father God. I come against all error. I come against um, all confusion, Lord Jesus, that we would have clarity, that we would have accuracy as we go through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So with that, let's uh, enter Isaiah here, and um, I like what uh, Tony Evans has written in the introduction to this chapter. Um, I'm going to get to that in a second. Let me, let me set this up a little bit, though. Um, the author is, of course, assumed to be the prophet Isaiah, and, um, uh, but in verses uh, 40 through 66, he can, he's speaking in, uh, in future tense. These things have not happened yet, and so some scholars believe that he couldn't have written it, uh, but others, or I should say the common understanding, is that Isaiah did author these, and for those future events, he was under uh, uh, prophetic visions that were delivered to him by the Lord. And so time-wise, uh, the time of uh, Isaiah was around mm, 750 BC, somewhere in that vicinity. And the future events that get referred to occur in like 450, 500 BC, somewhere in that vicinity. And so they're, they're about 200 years out. And so, um, and that's why some people don't believe th that Isaiah could have, written, could have authored those uh, particular scriptures. Um, <clears throat> when we get into, you know, what the book is about, I'm just gonna read it here. The classic passage uh, in this book is found in chapter 6, describing Isaiah's official call to his prophetic task when he saw the Lord in all his majestic holiness. That, came, uh, that call came in a bad year, when good King Uzziah died. That meant Judah's uh, human hope to set things right was gone, but Isaiah learned that even in times uh, like that, the Lord was still on his throne and still in control. And I think that's a very important thing for us to realize today. Um, for the most part, I try to stay away from politics and these sort of things. Uh, but I, I just have to comment on a, an interesting observation, I find. Um, for those that aren't in the United States, excuse me for a second. Uh, back in 2016, um, Donald Trump was elected the president of the United States. And all those who opposed him uh, lost their minds. You know, there was some riots in the streets, a lot of people upset. People thought, those people thought everything was going downhill and that sort of thing. And, uh, uh, and so we go through his presidency for four years and we just had another election 
the 2020 election, in which case uh, President-elect Joe Biden was elected president. And then you had the people on the other side uh, not going crazy in the same way uh, with violence and that sort of thing, but um, protesting and and calling into question uh, the authenticity of the vote. And, And there are some things there that are questionable that are very questionable with regard to what happened with the vote. And so, but we have these two different camps protesting in different ways because of who was elected. And my personal belief is that we forget that regardless of what happens from a human standpoint, that God is still in control. He still reigns. He is still sovereign. And so I believe that people put too much stock in the things uh, that they see happening uh, because they're putting all of their faith or the majority of their faith in humans and human decision-making. And they can forget that the Lord is sovereign. And so that's just my particular take on things. If I continue to read, it says, Isaiah uh, is a long book because it deals with two great sweeps of time the days in which the prophet lived, and the time yet to come when the Messiah turns and establishes his kingdom of righteousness. That's why Isaiah 53 is such a precious chapter, telling us of the Messiah, the suffering servant, uh, who would bear our sins and someday rule as king. The message of Isaiah uh, to us today is to adjust the way we live so that when the king returns, we can enter into his kingdom full speed ahead because we have prepared ourselves by living according to God's righteous standards. Amen. It's a very important uh, message for us to take in today um, as we go through our lives, as we are facing many things that we have never faced before. And so it's imperative, in my opinion, that we live in that realm of faith and not rely just on what our eyes see or what our ears hear. And with that, let's get on with chapter one. And it says here, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so this is Isaiah, and he's saying uh, at this time, uh, Judah and Jerusalem were still in existence. If we were recalled from the Old Testament, from previous readings, uh, Jerusalem, or uh, the capital of Israel, was the first to go down, and then Judah was the next to go down. And so Judah maintained their righteousness longer than uh, Israel did, or the northern kingdom, which pretty much almost immediately started to go downhill. So it says, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw during the reigns of King Uzziah, of Kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. So this section is called Judah on Trial. Verse 2, listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Hmm. So he's drawing this analogy. The animals know their masters. They know where they get fed from. They know their food source. But my people, they don't know me. They don't know what I'm doing for me. They ignore me. They rebel against me. And in verse 4, it says, O sinful nation, 
people weighed down with inequity, uh, brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. Verse 5, why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? The whole head is hurt and the whole heart is sick. I mean, that's a, that's a valid question the Lord is asking. Why do you want to keep getting punished? It says, your whole head is hurt. You've been beat so much. You know, the whole heart is sick. You're, you're, you're acting irrationally, crazy. Why, why are you rejecting my lordship? You know, after all we've been through, after all I've done for you, after all I've witnessed before you, after all I've allowed you to see of my glorious nature, after all you have actually felt from my actions, yet you keep doing this. In verse 6, from the sole of the foot, even to the head, no spot is uninjured. There is nowhere on your body that is not injured <laughs> because of all of the reprimands and all of the discipline that, I ha- that I've had to dish out to you. Nowhere on your person is it uh, not affected. It says wounds, welts, and festering uh, sores, not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oil. So if you've got all of these places on your body that are a demonstration of your wrongdoing in my discipline, yet you keep doing it. Verse 7, your land is desolate, your cities burned down, foreigners devour your fields right in front of you, a desolation like a place demolished by foreigners. I mean, verse 9, the Lord of armies had not left us uh, a few survivors. Well, if the Lord of armies had not left us a few survivors, uh, survivors, we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. See? We would be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, your rulers of so- uh, Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our Lord, uh, you people of Gomorrah. What are all your sacrifices to me, asked the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. See, the Lord is saying, you know, you're sacrificing to me and all this, this stuff, but that's not what I really want. I want your obedience. I want your loyalty. I want your hearts. I'm not getting any of that. I'm just getting empty actions. I don't want any of that, says the Lord. In verse 13, he says, stop bringing useless offerings to me. (laughs) Stop. Your incense is detestable to me. See, your your form of worshiping me, your form of of, uh, identifying me as your Lord, you know, your your, your form of uh, elevating me is nothing but empty ritual. It's just a tradition that you've learned. And so you're just doing these things out of habit. He says, stop bringing useless offerings to me. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling uh, of solemn assemblies, I cannot stand iniquity with the festival. So the Lord defined these festivals, uh, you know, the new moons, the Sabbaths, and all of these things that uh, the people were to rejoice 
and celebrate the Lord, but they weren't behaving in a manner consistent with um, those celebrations. They were doing them, but they were just doing them out of rote habit, totally and completely empty. We can talk about Christmas. We're in the Christmas season. Now, many believe that Christmas is a a pagan uh, activity. It's not of the Lord, not created by God. And to be honest, I really don't know, you know, but I do know what the purpose of it is. The purpose of it is to celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, whether that was authored by the Lord or not, again, I don't know. But I do know this that many people celebrate Christmas with gift givings and this, that, and the other, and totally and completely ignore the source of the holiday. You cannot celebrate Christmas, in my opinion, without acknowledging that this is to acknowledge and to reference and to elevate the birth of Jesus. See, And so... um, and I guess in some ways this is a righteous movement <laughs> that, you know, there probably about 20 years, 25 years or so ago, it started to be movements to not call it Christmas, but call it, uh, you know, holiday seasons, you know, happy holidays. You hear a lot. You don't hear a lot of Merry Christmas, not like when I was growing up. You know, to some people, Merry Christmas is offensive. And so you say happy holidays instead. You make it generic. You sanitize it. And so the celebration of these things without acknowledging the source of the celebration or the reason for the celebration, that's an empty festival, totally and completely empty. And we don't want to be involved with that. Verse 15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you. Even if you offer countless prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. This next section called Purification of Jerusalem. Verse 16, wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. In other words, He's saying, look, stop doing evil. Instead, do this. Learn what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. You know, these are the things I want you to do. Stop doing evil. Turn from your wicked ways and do these things. Verse 18. Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet. Scarlet is red. Red is a symbol of, you know, of of, of a deep stain. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. See, he's saying if you turn from your wicked ways, even though you have sinned and it's scarlet red, it will be turned pure, white as snow. Verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 23, it says, your rulers are rebels, friends of thieves. They all love graft, or they all love theft. They all love to take things that aren't theirs and chase after bribes. That applies, that has applied throughout human history with regard to governments and government officials. 
Your rulers are rebels, friends of thieves. They all love graft and chase after bribes. In verse 25, I will turn my head against you and will burn away your dross completely. I will, remo- I will remove your impurities. And so he's saying, look, if you were just turn from your wicked ways and do what is right, I will do this for you. I will restore your judges to what they were at first and your advisors to what they were at the start. Afterward, you will be called the righteous city, a faithful town. If you will turn away and do what's right, then I will purify you. Verse 27, Zion will be redeemed by justice, those who repent by righteousness. At the same time, both rebels and sinners will be broken, and those who abandon the Lord will perish. I will take from your midst the evilness that exists. But you have to turn. See, we have the power. We have to turn. We're in the habit of looking for our politicians and whatnot to do what is right by us. But have we turned? If we have turned, then we will hold those above us in, in government accountable for what they do. If we don't do that, then we haven't turned. And we deserve what we get. <clears throat> Chapter 2, the city of peace. It says, The vision that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So again, this is a vision. Verse 2, In the last days the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. All nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, Let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instructions, for instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Verse 4, he will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation. And they will never again train for war. So it says here that they will, they will take their tools of war. You see, they will take their tools of death and turn them into tools of life. They will take their tools of death, swords, and they will turn them into plows in order to farm, in order to sustain life. They will take their spears and turn them into pruning knives. See, turning their weapons of warfare and death into weapons of life. And so all, all they have to do, all the people have to do is to turn. In verse 5, it says, uh, the section title says, The Day of the Lord. Uh, verse 5, House of Jacob, come and let's walk in the Lord's light. For you have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob, because they were full of divination from the east and the fortune tellers like uh, the Philistines. They are in a league. They are in league with foreigners. You have to remember that Judah was, uh, or, or say Israel was seduced by foreigners. That's why God did not want them mingling with them and intermarrying with them because He knew that they would be led astray. And so they started uh, idolatry. They started uh, listening and going to fortune tellers like the Philistines. In other words, they started to become like those that God had warned them against. And this was detestable before the Lord. In verse 8, 
says their land is full of worthless idols. They worship the work of their hands, uh, what their fingers have made. So he's talking about the foreigners. He said they, they, in the foreign lands, they have worthless idols. They worship the work of their hands and, their, uh, and, and what their fingers have made. And I don't want you to do this. See, but you wouldn't listen to me. And so you went and you followed essentially in their footsteps. It says in verse 11, the pride of mankind will be humbled and human loftiness will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. So on the day of the Lord, on the day of judgment, essentially, this is what will happen. See, the, pre- the pride of mankind will be humbled, will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. There will be no more idol worship or anything like that. And in verse 12, for the day belonging to the Lord of armies is coming against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, it will be humbled. Not might be, it will be. <clears throat> all the injustice we see throughout the globe, all of the oppression, all of this stuff, all will be brought low before the day of the Lord. Verse 17, the pride of mankind will be brought low and human loftiness will be humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. The worthless idols will vanish completely, not partially, completely. Verse 22, put no more trust in a mere human who has only the breath in his nostrils, what is he really worth? See, and this is a lesson we need to learn today. We, we put so much faith and trust in other humans and whatnot, and we try to cut the Lord out of the entire equation of things. And in doing so, we, we, we don't recognize what we're doing. For a human is but a mere human. A human is not a god. Yet we elevate these people as if they're gods, as if they have control over the destiny of our lives. And we substitute these people or that person uh, for God. We put them in the position that God should be in, and it is wrong. It is absolutely wrong. And with that, what is running? <laughs> Got some squirrels running in my backyard, and they were. Anyway, <laughs> with that, we are going to. Uh, Stop for today. We're going to pick it up in chapter three tomorrow. Everybody have a blessed day. Bye-bye.